It is so good to have all of you here on the first day of uh, fall 2018. We're delighted that you came. I need to uh, correct something I said last week before we begin today. Last week I was talking about the title of Father for God, and I mentioned that the title Father is not used for God very often in the Old Testament, and that's true. Uh, but I also mentioned that when the title Father is used in the Old Testament, it's not used in a personal way, but rather broadly as the father of the nation of Israel. And this week I came across a verse that proved me wrong about that. It's Isaiah 64 and verse 8 where the prophet says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And that's a very personal reference to God as our father, like we find a whole lot of in the New Testament. So, I needed to correct myself and tell you, uh, please forgive me, I'll do, do a better job next time, I hope. <laughs> We've begun our Beyond Initiative, and it is all about our future, what we believe the Lord has ahead for us in the coming years, uh, growing in our faith, and we're looking forward in this, but I want to take a moment before we focus there, a moment to look backward at our history our church had its first public worship service on March 21st, 1999, uh, but the planning began some months before that. So almost 20 years ago, uh, plans were being made for this new church. It would be called River Oaks Community Church. And one of the things being discussed at that time was, was marketing, advertising, getting the word out there to people who, who don't go to church and don't have a church home. And at that time, uh, direct mail was a pretty good way to do that, believe it or not. And so I want to show you three mailers that were used as our church was beginning. Now keep in mind that our, our emphasis was on having fantastic ministries for children and youth of all ages because we had learned that people who don't go to church, when they have children, they start getting interested in, in teaching them about God and bring them to church. So this was the first uh, mailer, I believe, that went out. We're proud to announce the birth of a healthy. You open it up inside. It's a new church. There's a place for you. And um, uh, again, that was, I believe, our first. It was sent in 1999. And uh, I can date it easily because our, our little son, Matthew, is on the little rocking thing down there in the, in the overalls, and he just graduated from college. So that was a long time ago. I'm going to ask you to vote for which one of these you thought was most effective in having people come to River Oaks. We'll call this one number one. The next one, number two, likewise had an emphasis on, on children, but how many of you remember the old reruns of Leave it to Beaver, the Cleaver family? If your family isn't picture perfect, River Oaks is a real place for real people with whining, crying kids. It's tough to get them to go to church, so I thought that would be really effective, but um, I won't say whether it was. That was number two. Number three was the blue jean mailer. You can wear blue jeans to, to a church. And I'll, I'll pause with those. Leave that one up for just a moment, though, because I want to point out something about it. How many of you think the first mailer was most effective? The, okay, I see a few hands, not a whole lot. How many would say the second one? The real place for real you, the Cleaver family. A few more hands. How many would say the blue jean mailer was the most effective? Wow, you all are correct. Over the years, <clears throat> I, I cannot remember, I do not know of anyone who has said they came to our church 
because of that first mailer. And we sent out between 20 and 25,000 of those, that many addresses. I don't know of anyone. I'm sure some came, but I don't know of anyone. The second one, I'm sure some came, but I don't know of anyone. But the third one, this blue jean mailer, dozens and dozens and dozens of people, many who are in our church today would say, we came because of that one. I'm not sure why it connected so well. But notice one thing that's absent on that mailer. If you were going to promote the launch of something new, what's missing from that? Did somebody say web address? That is correct. That is correct. If you want information, call the office at 766-0033. That's how much things have changed. I see Ned Coleman, and Ned, very early in our history, put up our first website in those early months, and that was really cutting edge to have a little website then. Well, things have changed in our world a lot since that time, and certainly things have changed in our church as well. Our Beyond Initiative is about looking ahead to what God has for us. In the summer of 2017, the elders on our church session gathered together and did a retreat together and began seeking God prayerfully about His vision for our church in the years to come. We began asking the Lord to show us how we could be the most effective church we could be, how we could bear the most fruit we could bear in the coming years. And the result of that, we believe, is a document we call our 2025 vision. And the vision 2025, as you see on the screen, is really about spiritual formation that leads to gospel-centered outreach. At the very heart of who we call God, believe God's called us to be, and what we call God is, what we believe God's called us to do is discipleship within that results in missions and outreach beyond the walls of our church. This, I believe, is the model of Jesus with his followers. He called them to be with them. He taught them by word and example for three years, and he sent them out into the world to take his gospel. If you're not familiar with our 2025 vision, you can pick up a copy today at the Resource Center. It's in the small group study guide, but there are copies of the vision itself there at the uh, Resource Center. Now, that vision, and I've read over it many, many times, and I'm, I am convinced it is not going to happen, it's not going to come to pass unless we have a much higher level of prayer in our church and a much greater working of the Holy Spirit than we have seen in the past. And I'm going to ask you to join me in praying for these things to come about in our church in the coming years. But if these things are to happen in our church corporately, more fruit, more prayer, more power of the Holy Spirit, that will first have to happen in us individually. Now, we have a 2025 vision for our church, but I want to ask you this morning, if you have a vision for your own spiritual life for the years to come, do you have a 2025 vision for your spiritual life? Do you ever think about that? I mean, we, we, we have plans, we have goals, we have visions for our education, for our jobs, for our retirement. But if you've given thought and prayer to where your spiritual life might be in several years, some of you here will go off to college next year. 
When you head to college, I'm sure you have some goals. I'm sure you have some vision. One of those is to, to get a degree. But what about a vision to get a degree and also to leave those four years of college with a much stronger, richer walk with God in a community of strong Christian friends? This morning, I want us to look at what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives to bring us to a higher vision where we might be spiritually. Seven years from now, we should not be spiritually at the same place where we are today. God has more for us. The eighth chapter of the book of Romans is all about the work the Holy Spirit will do in us to bring us toward God's vision for each of our lives. Shaunice is going to come up now and read our passage today from Romans 8, verses 18 through 30. Shaunice is one of our new fellows uh, this year. We're delighted to have her with us. And as she's reading this passage, look for God's vision for our spiritual lives in these words. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm Shaunice Withers, and I'll be reading from Romans 8, 18 through 30. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. But for those who are called according to his purpose... For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed, conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Thank you. Thank you, Shanice. God's vision for every Christian, based on the passage we just heard, is that we be conformed to the image of Jesus. And you see that in the words on the screen. Listen to the words again. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God wants that for every child of God, every believer to be conformed, to be shaped to the likeness of Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's God's process. Now let's look at a diagram on the screen that illustrates this process for us. Those whom God foreknew, the Bible says, he predestined. The word predestined just means he planned ahead of time. He planned in advance. Those whom he predestined, he also called. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work the Holy Spirit does in enabling us to see our need and to comprehend the gospel of Jesus. We recognize that we need him. Jesus said no one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. And it's the Holy Spirit who calls us to faith in Jesus. And now one of the most important words in the New Testament, the word justified. Those whom he called, he also justified. To be justified just means to be declared just or to be declared righteous. The words righteous and just uh, really mean the same thing in the New Testament. They're almost interchangeable. This is something that happens when a person embraces the salvation of God provided by Jesus on the cross. The scripture says God made him who knew no sin Jesus to be made sin for us, that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. So in embracing by faith what Jesus did, as the Bible says, we are justified by faith, we become righteous before God, even though we're very far from perfect. And so that is the state of a genuine Christian who has embraced God's salvation, justified. But Romans goes on to say, those whom he's justified, he also glorified. Now, Paul speaks of it in past tense, this passive work, this passive verb in past tense. Yet, it is yet future. We've not been glorified yet. He uses past tense because it is so certain. But it's yet future because this is what happens in eternity. In fact, in verse 18 of this chapter, as Shawnee's read a moment ago, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. To be glorified occurs when a believer is in the very immediate presence of God. Jesus prayed for his disciples before he went to the cross. And he said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, that they may see the glory that you've given me before the foundation of the world. This eternal glory in the presence of God is something we anticipate. It's something yet future. But the place where we live today is between being justified and being glorified. You could draw an arrow to that spot because that's life on earth for the follower of Jesus, for the believer. We live between being justified by God and looking in the future to glorification in his presence, the fullness of his glory there. While we live during this time on earth, God is at work in us by the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's vision for our lives, which is to conform us or shape us to the likeness of Jesus. If there is an important key word in Romans chapter 8, it's the word spirit capitalized. It refers to the Holy Spirit. I think I counted 20 times 
the word is used just in this chapter. Romans 8 is all about the work the Holy Spirit does in followers of Jesus, in particular between the time that we are justified and the time we will be glorified. So this morning, as we look at God's vision for our spiritual lives, I want to just take a really quick look at how the Holy Spirit helps us grow spiritually, how he helps us grow toward that vision. And I want to ask you again, do you have a vision for your spiritual growth? Where you will be several years from now? The way you'll get there is by yielding your life more fully to the Holy Spirit, by being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting him do his great work in you. What is that great work? Here are very quickly four ways the Holy Spirit helps us grow spiritually. Number one, he empowers us to walk according to God's ways. Verses 3 to 5 read, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now think about those words for a minute. How is it that the righteous requirement of God's law that no one humanly could keep, no one ever has except for Jesus, how can it be fulfilled in us? So that God could consider a sinful person like me righteous, just, forgiven. Well, again, it's because of what Jesus did in our place. By sending his own son, the verse says. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The key emphasis in these verses is life, walking, living according to the Spirit. And we see it again in verses 12 to 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you worry about how you could possibly live life as a Christian, the answer is simply it's not in our own human strength. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who changes our hearts, our desires, our lives so that we walk and we live increasingly in accord with the Spirit, in accord with God's ways. Secondly, he affirms our adoption into God's family. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Those of you who are Christians here, how do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know you are saved, but you're going to heaven. Well, some would say, well, it's because I joined a church, but that's not really our guarantee. Or even having been baptized, as important as that is. And if you haven't been baptized, you should be, certainly. We can know we are saved when we've done what Scripture says to do. By faith, we embrace what Jesus did for us. But the Holy Spirit always works in sync with God's written word. And the Holy Spirit will give the inner assurance, the inward witness that we belong to God, 
that we have been adopted by God so that we can sincerely call God Abba Father, our Father who art in heaven, because He works to bear witness in us. I think many Christians live life with very little awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And if that's been the case for you, let me say that there is far more of His presence and power available to you in your life than you've experienced. He affirms our adoption into God's family, and He enables us to grow. He enables us to grow toward glory through suffering. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And notice these words, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God calls every believer to grow spiritually in life toward the likeness of Jesus. That's God's vision, His goal for you, that you become increasingly in life like Jesus. So that a year from now, seven years from now, the way you live, the way you love God, the way you love other people is much closer to the example, the life we have in Jesus. But much growth in life comes through difficulties, through suffering. When you experience suffering, what is typically your first concern? I'll tell you what my first concern is. I'm sure most of the time when undergoing any kind of suffering, whether it's a conflict, a stress situation, uh, physical infirmity, my first concern is typically how to, how to get out of it. How do I get out of it? And that's not unreasonable at all. In fact, the Bible says in James chapter 5, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Turning to God in suffering and praying for a solution is not bad. It's, it's wise and it's good. The Bible says pray one for another that you may be healed. But we should also know that much growth comes through suffering as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. As we face suffering we can't handle, grief in life we don't understand, things that cause us emotional, physical, relational pain, while it's good to pray for a solution, let's also pray, God, how can I grow through this? to be more like Jesus? How can I grow through this situation to be more like Christ? How can I grow through these circumstances that I don't like to know you better and love you more? I enjoy reading some of the writings of people of the past who were involved in great periods of revival, periods when the Holy Spirit moved in remarkable power. One of those periods uh, in, in uh, England and in this country in the 1700s was, was called the Great Awakening. And those writers use a little phrase that's, that's very unusual. 
Interesting phrase. Don't ever hear anybody uh, of our time use this phrase, but, but here's what you see in a lot of their writings. Here's the phrase. Improvement of affliction. Improvement of affliction. And what they're talking about when they use that phrase is growing through difficulties, growing stronger, facing affliction in life, and recognizing it as a season when you can grow spiritually by the way the Holy Spirit works in you. And that's what I think the Apostle Paul had in mind when he talked about growing toward glory with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, and that we, that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Now, this was a man whose suffering is almost beyond description. The times he was beaten, the times he was stoned and flogged, thrown into jail. He said, not worth comparing to the glory that is ahead. It's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside and helps us to grow even in the hard times of life. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us so that all things work together for our good. We sang about that a little earlier, didn't we? The verses you'll see on the screen are some of the most beloved in the New Testament. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here's the much-loved verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is indeed a beautiful verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is a favorite verse of many. I know my wife has said a number of times that verse 28 of that passage is her favorite verse. But it's important, I think, to, to note two things. Number one, the verse that God works all things together for our good should not be seen as um, a license for a fatalistic attitude. That is the attitude that, oh, whatever will be, will be. It doesn't matter what I do in life. God's going to work everything for the good. Uh, if you lose your job because you do lousy work, say, oh, well, God's going to work it all for the good. No, God calls us to work hard, to work faithfully, to do good work. If you get three speeding tickets and your car insurance goes through the roof, you can't say, well, God causes all things to work together for your good. He wants you to drive the speed limit and be responsible as a person. So it's not an excuse to, or a license to blame God for something. But it's, it's indeed one of the most beautiful verses in Scripture when you understand it. And we always understand Scripture in its context. Its immediate context is this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, God's purpose. What is His purpose? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son to be shaped throughout life increasingly to the likeness of Jesus. That, I believe, is his purpose about which 
these verses are speaking. And if that is true, and I think it is, every believer can live life with the assurance is you love God. Whatever you face, not only will it not separate you from God and His love, but He is able to craft it, to work it in the shaping, conforming work He's doing in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus, to conform you to His image and His likeness. And then Paul, the apostle, gives us this wonderful assurance. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. Nothing can separate us from his love. God's working for me. Who can be against me? Let me ask you again. You have a vision for your spiritual life, what it can be. Our church has a 2025 vision. But if it's to come about, it's going to be because individually we're growing toward that vision being a reality. What's your 2025 vision for your spiritual life? Seven years will pass quickly. What might your spiritual life be like at the end of those seven years? What kind of a close walk with God will you have? How well will you know the Bible? What will your prayer life be like? How will you treat others? What kind of fruit will be being born? Will there be people that you have led to faith in Jesus? People you've discipled? They look at you and say, yeah, she or he really helped me grow to where I am today. Will there be some people like that? It's God's will that that be the case. And He hasn't left you to do any of this in your own strength. He's provided all of the strength, all the resources through the Holy Spirit. I want to stop here right now and ask you to join me in a prayer for a greater work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. Father, just pray right now for our church, every person here. Lord, that you would do a greater work among us. I pray that for myself. I pray that for each of us. Maybe you should just join me now. If you're comfortable even lifting your hands to God and saying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit this day. Fill me, Lord. We cannot change ourselves in our own power. But this part of your word shows us that the Holy Spirit will do that work. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Do a greater work among us. Conform us more to the likeness of Jesus. Change us, Lord, for your glory. Amen. Before we close, I just want to say a, 
a few words about what it will require to fulfill your 2025 vision for your spiritual life. It will require surrender. You can't call Jesus Lord if you're not surrendered to his lordship. If you call him Lord, he should be Lord. And that means surrender to his will and his ways. It will require a life of seeking. The Bible says that God rewards those who diligently seek him. It will require sacrifice. As I look through the Bible, it seems to me like every person to whom God gave some vision was called to make some sacrifice. Whether it was Abraham leaving his home country for the vision God gave him, whether it was Noah building the ark, the vision God gave him, and suffering a lot of ridicule and rejection, whether it was Esther with a vision to save the people, her own people, her own nation, but at the risk of her life, or whether it was the greatest vision in Scripture, the vision of Jesus for the salvation of his people, for a forever family with him, it would cost him his life on the cross. To those whom God gives a vision, there is the requirement of sacrifice. It will require faith, trust in Him, and perseverance, continuing faithful to God even when you'd rather not. May God give us vision for our future and enable us to see that and grow toward that. Amen. Let's pray once again if you would. Father, I want to pray for anyone here who has not yet embraced the salvation of Jesus on the cross, that you would place in that one's heart a desire. First, though, an awareness of sin and the need for your forgiveness. An awareness of the urgency of embracing what you've done for us in Jesus. And the calling, drawing work of the Holy Spirit to accept by faith what you've done and to become his follower. Work in each of us, Lord, to have a clearer vision for what's ahead as we grow toward the likeness of Christ. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.